what I will say is that if you think about any of those problems, like dealing with terrorism and things like that, whether it's an NSA, a CIA, these types of things, uh, your job is to basically try to work your way through a problem and get into the shoes of that target or whatever that target is. So I think it's it's made me, so that job was probably the, gave me the biggest impact of ironically getting in someone else's shoes. Um, because when you think about going after a target, it doesn't matter if you're working at NSA, CIA, et cetera, and, um, it's, it's one of those things where you have limited, limited access, right? And all of a sudden you have to kind of think like the person to figure out how you might get access, right? And so when I think of like people or I think about problems, it at least gave me the education that I think that, as I mentioned, you don't get in school, which is critical thinking. And I think that it was super, super crucial that I had that in my career, because I think it's, it's literally been the number one thing that I've used every single day since. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. This is episode one of a three-part interview with Patrick Campbell, SaaS pricing guru and CEO and founder of ProfitWell, recorded in SaaStock in Dublin. ProfitWell is a freemium model that more than doubled their employees to 85 over the last two years. Their average monthly recurring revenue per customer is approximately $2,000. And their payback period for a new customer averages less than three months. Alder estimates their revenue is $10 million ARR, but we know they're doing way better than that. And we think they'll be well north of 20 million USD ARR by the end of the financial year. In terms of users, the company claims to cover more than 15% of the subscription economy. Patrick was born in a town with more cows than people. He used to investigate people considered the bad guys by the US intelligence community. And he feels that chasing these targets with limited access and limited information was a great preparation for his tech startup career as it primed him with an augmented capacity for critical thinking, problem solving, and approaching things from a logical perspective. So it's great to have you here. Patrick. Yeah, awesome to be here. Dublin, lots of SaaS going on. It's great. Absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of uh, Dublin and, and Irishness, uh, there's not too many Patricks in Boston, are there? <laughs> there's a ton of Patricks in Boston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not Irish. Well, I think you're some Irish. I'm more Scots Irish. Okay. Scottish, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but it's. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, having a name Patrick in Dublin right now is, is pretty pretty unique, if you say. Yeah. And do you think it's a good city to, to build a to build a business? Boston. Boston. Um, I think that Boston's actually pretty great. I think uh, I wouldn't have known this when I moved there, but um, Boston it's it's a tier two, so it's not Silicon Valley. I mean, depending on how you measure it, it's a tier one. It's second to Silicon Valley in terms of investment every uh, every quarter or every year. Uh, I think that Boston has enough of these companies that have basically built, had exits, other people start building companies. There's this like nice cascading effect that happens. Yeah. Um, and you don't have that in a lot of cities. And so Boston's been one of those cities that's been around for a really, really long time um, yeah. from, a, from a tech perspective. And that's helped a lot, um, just hire the right talent, figure out what to do and what not to do. Yeah. It, ju it just shows you what a juggernaut the US is when, when, you, when your instinct was to say tier two, uh, and it's like second uh, above New York and below uh, yeah. Silicon Valley, like uh, it, that must make it second in the world or something. I, totally, I yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it's funny because 
I think everyone likes to compare to Silicon Valley, and I think the problem is is that there's very few ecosystems out there that have anchor custom anchor companies like Silicon Valley. Yeah. Think of Google, Facebook, Oracle, like some of these other folks. Like those companies are what makes Silicon Valley Silicon Valley. Absolutely. Because you're able to recruit all those folks, you're able to build. You, know, you just don't have a lot of those in other cities. Before we get on to this uh, remarkable story uh, that is profit well. Can you give me uh, kind of a the short version of your life story up until now, Patrick? <laughs> the like 30 second version? Um, <laughs> or so maybe was, 90 seconds. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was born, uh, I was born in a town with more cows than people in Wisconsin. Cool. Uh, for the European listeners who don't know the states that well, that's like the center countryside. Um, it's kind of like being born in the middle of Ireland, like okay. probably. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you grow, I grew up on a farm um, and kind of in that farming community. Um, which was great and I, I went to school in Illinois uh, which is south of Chicago uh, well it is includes Chicago, Chicago but yeah, I okay. went to school south of Chicago yeah. uh, studied econometrics and math um, I went and worked for the US intelligence community uh, so I worked in kind of the alphabet soup um, of you know trying to find bad guys and gals uh, <laughs> and then I worked at Google in Boston and that's what brought me to Boston and then um, six years ago started uh, price intelligently now ProfitWell uh, and uh, it's been it's been a fun ride uh, throughout throughout all those trips. Now, looking at your background, you, you you worked in three or four different industries and studied two or three different things, from computers to economics to political science and, and yeah. all of these things. Um, do you have a tendency towards uh, uh, shiny new thing syndrome? Um, that's a great question. I think that. I think I might have, but I think it was less shiny new things syndrome. I think it was more like just a somewhat insatiable urge to like learn and like somewhat insatiable urge to like find what I wanted to do. So I think the problem that I, fa it's not a problem, it's a very champagne problem that sure. I faced was, you know, I came from like a, a lower middle class household, blue collar family. So like the whole uh, concept of work ethic was really important, but it was also, uh, it was something where I was, you know, my, I, I was picked to go to college and all this kind of stuff. And so failure would be coming home and becoming a tradesman or like a bricklayer, right? Yeah. Because I was, you know, smart enough and my dad was like, you're smart enough, you should go be a doctor, right? Um, and that's kind of how generations work, right? You have a laborer, then you have a professional, then you have maybe an entrepreneur, et cetera. Happened to us. Yeah. And so it was one of those things where I think I, um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go be a doctor. And then I was like, I don't know. I don't really want to be a doctor. Like, I don't, it's not really, it's interesting. I like it. I appreciate people who are doctors. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be a lawyer. Right. <laughs> and, um, fortunately I, I kind of worked through that. And then, um, I worked for the government and that was, that was probably the, the best job to have at the time because it was one of those jobs that didn't really, it focused on skills. Yeah. Um, it focused on learning so much. Uh, and then frankly, like, Google was kind of a crapshoot. I just kind of applied to a bunch of places because my significant other was moving to uh, Boston and I wanted to move with her. And it was just one of those things where basically it was, it was um, who called me back. Um, and Google called me back, went through the interview process. And then I got like a, then I found like, oh, tech is where I want to be. Business is where I want to be. Cool. Um, even though when I was growing up, and I said, oh, I want to be in business. My parents were like, oh, business people are a dime a dozen. They're, they're terrible. Go be a doctor. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have shiny objects to draw. I think I've been, I can at least rationalize a path to where I am now, um, which may be good or bad. So. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you, 
worked in security, the security clearance domain, you were saying, in the US. Do you find that that, uh, that you have a tendency to check people out a lot more carefully when you're hiring? Or does it give you, are you a little bit more insightful when it comes to, I don't know, everything from customers to guys like me in the media or whatever? Yeah. Uh, do you find it helps, that sort of, uh, those skill, that skill set you sure. developed in? Am I paranoid? Too? That's another way to ask. Possib <laughs> Apparently uh, insightful. I don't know which Yeah, one. so I worked I worked there um, pre-Snowden, um, and so it was a little bit of a different world. Sure. Um, I think that, I mean, it was it's the same, probably the same world. I, I haven't been there. But I think um, I, I learned a skill set that I think is really difficult to learn in school, and that skill set is around critical thinking okay. and problem solving. Because when you think about, and I can't get too deep into, like, what that world is because of, you know, I, I have a lifetime pledge in oh, like law or whatever. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what I will say is that if you think about any of those problems, like dealing with terrorism and things like that, whether it's an NSA, a CIA, these types of things, uh, your job is to basically try to work your way through a problem and get into the shoes of that target or whatever that target is. So I think it's, it's made me, so that job was probably the, gave me the biggest impact of ironically getting in someone else's shoes. Um, because when you think about going after a target, it doesn't matter if you're working at NSA, CIA, et cetera. And, um, it's, it's one of those things where you have limited, limited access, right? And all of a sudden you have to kind of think like the person to figure out how you might get access, right? And so when I think of like people or I think about problems, it at least gave me the education that I think that, as I mentioned, you don't get in school, which is critical thinking. And I think that it was super, super crucial that I had that in my career, because I think it's, it's literally been the number one thing that I've used every single day since. Um, and, and yeah, when I, when I meet people, I don't know if I'm like more or less like, you know, sensitive. I, I think I'm definitely like, from a world perspective, I'm a little more paranoid because I literally saw things get stopped or things happen. Um, not in, I mean, I don't know, that sounds super cryptic and I have to kind of keep it cryptic, unfortunately. <laughs> but I saw things happen that I was like, oh wow, like the world is, uh, like everything that's kind of being said, it's not necessarily wrong, but it's definitely not exactly what's being said publicly. Okay. Um, you know, with certain things that happen. And so that, that gave a lot of context to, wow, like I live in a port, port, port city in Boston, that's dangerous potentially, right? That's wow. more dangerous than living in the middle of the US. Um, so yeah, I don't know, it's made me a little paranoid, but I think from a work perspective, it's definitely helped me in understanding people a little bit more, understanding logic and, and things like that. It's, it's, it was, couldn't have been the best, it couldn't have been a better place to start my career in terms of like education for what I need now, if that Brilliant. makes sense. That's amazing. That's yeah. Cool. So um, when I think about uh, your company, it prices optimally by leveraging customers and potential customers. Mm -hmm. Uh, as a kind of a, a source to understand what the true value of the offering is, yep. and from there, uh, price smartly. So, why did you change your name to Profit Well? Yeah, so that's a good question. So, for, for folks who don't know, so we started about six years ago, uh, just me in a room, like cranking 18 hours a day, and it's kind of funny. Like, I, I don't think there was a direct connection, but there's probably a sub subconscious connection between working in the intelligence community and, and then pricing, because pricing is all about there's no silver bullet. It's not about discounting. It's not about. It's about figuring out who you're selling to, understanding that person at a very, very deep level algorithmically, 
um, on, on a categorical basis, not like an individual, although you could do it on an individual. Um, and so we started off with some technology that basically measured uh, willingness to pay and relative value for features. And over time, we started uh, helping lots of companies, big and small, um, all in the SaaS and subscription space. And then what we ended up doing is we discovered that uh, one of the companies that were helping with their pricing, they were about to IPO and their product pricing was, was fine and we were working on it, but we discovered they were calculating MRR completely incorrectly. Wow. And that's a pretty big deal for folks who, that's Huge. monthly recurring revenue. So it's a super straightforward number. Sure. And what we ended up doing is we started building this product called ProfitWell and ProfitWell Metrics. So you plug it into your billing system uh, and uh, it could be Zora, Stripe, Braintree, whatever you're using for billing. And you get access to all of your MRR, your churn, all of your main financial metrics, and now your engagement metrics. And that started a path of basically this wider journey of basically trying to understand algorithmically subscription growth on a very, very deep level. Okay. And so the mission has become basically we want to give away ProfitWell for free because we can give a ton of value and in return we can then help you identify where you have a problem and then we can sell you products to basically help those problems. So we sell a product called Retain that reduces your delinquent churn automatically, price intelligently which helps with your pricing. But the long story short to your question is basically um, we're more than just pricing now. Um, and so we needed a name that was a little bit broader yeah. Um, a little more ambiguous because we, we do a lot around you know, helping you grow, essentially. In next week's episode, part two of three, Patrick opens up a lot about his own strengths and weaknesses as a founder CEO. But he puts his mitts up to the world too, saying that most big companies in the business analytics world paint pretty pictures with data, but have failed to evolve into companies that proactively surface solutions for customers. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills and to Katsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating.